0: Hey, hey, we're back. Uh welcome to hashtag real life with Abby and Danielle. Yes, we finally remembered to introduce ourselves. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> this might have been our best
0: one. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and you know, Eli might run in at some point when he wakes up from his nap, but then that will not ruin it, I guess. Just add a little extra, extra. I mean, that that
1: right there will be hashtag real life if that happens. So, I mean, it'll be fine.
0: (laughs) Hashtag real life yet. D just had to pop in. So, if there's some, like, background noises, we can edit that out. Or you can just leave it while I'm talking. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Happy Sunday.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love
0: it. uh, Yeah, this, I mean, this week has just been... Kind of a crazy, I think we say that every week, just a crazy stressful week. Danielle and I actually had a five hour, just like Zoom sesh together uh, last night. So we're already like repped and ready to go. But today we have a, a very special guest uh, who I can't wait to introduce, uh, Miss Amra Boudlimic. Um, I would say she is one of my nearest and dearest friends since moving up here to Minnesota. Um, and I met her about a year after, after I'd moved up here when I transitioned in my company to the residential site from Outpatient. Uh, and Amra was just one of the kindest people to me. She told me I had a heart of gold. So of course I'm like, I want to be your friend if you like me so much. (laughs) Uh, But Amra is a social worker. And at the time when I transitioned to my location currently, uh, she was doing the social work work for the entire house. So had her hands in a lot of plates. Uh, but since then has transitioned to doing more individual therapy and we've had lots of long talks that she is surprised herself that she enjoys doing that. Um, but of course, Amra's story, uh, predates me absolutely. Uh, and our meeting. So she was born in Bosnia and her and her family came to the U S in the early nineties, which, uh, we will most likely talk about, uh, during this convo. And as I said already, she is a social worker and more than that, one of the biggest advocates for social justice, diversity, inclusion, uh, particularly in the racism and, uh, weight stigma realms. So obviously she is a person after my own heart. So Amra, welcome.
2: Thank (laughs) you. That was quite the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Only for the best, (laughs) uh, but Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being willing to come on and share. And yeah, like we were saying right before we pressed record, Danielle and you like maybe briefly met a few years ago, but we were also maybe having a few drinks. So
1: we might've been like passing ships at one point, but I mean, we, we came back around and I get to meet you now and we get to have some chat time and it'll be great.
2: Yeah. I'm really excited for that.
0: And in my intro, I forgot to actually add that Amra is also one of the best dog moms to Oliver, who is also on the recording and just like hanging out, chilling. He is a mama's boy through and through. (laughs)
2: He is my right hand man. What kind
0: of what kind of dog is he again?
2: He's a Maltese
1: oh he's adorable you guys He's just kind of like sitting in the screen just like chilling he's our own like other special guest <laughs> he, walks, he, he basically
2: he, wa- he
0: walks on his hind legs like he does funny little party tricks so, and Amra dresses him up in tutus <laughs> I love it yes oh so Amra I guess I'll get started um yeah. I mean, I know I did a very brief introduction for you, but yeah, kind of tell the listeners that sounds so professional, uh, tell the listeners. Yeah. A little bit about your beginnings. So, I mean, you were the first person I admit met that I really talked a lot about like the Bosnian genocide and how that impacted, I mean, hugely impacted your life, but yeah, just kind of wanting to hear your story, like your timeline. <laughs>
2: yeah um all right I'll just kind of jump in I guess straight from the beginning and then, um but I was born in Priedar Bosnia um and we lived so like our culture is a very collective culture so people kind of like live really close together and like villages are more like stacked up with your family um so we kind of all live next door to each other on like a plot of land um, and my dad would work outside the country just because economically there were a lot of opportunities and there still really aren't that many opportunities um, in our country. So he would go and work um, on a lot of different like labor jobs, primarily around like oil stuff. So me and my mom stayed and usually at least at that time when you got married, you kind of moved on to the village where your husband's family was. So me and my mom um, lived there with my dad's side of the family. Um, And in regards to the genocide that happened there, I would say that it was kind of shocking probably for a big Bosnian population, but also there was like, I think a lot of signs looking back into what was about to come. I think just a lot of people really struggled to believe what could happen just because it's a very intermixed area. So people married across religions there, so it wasn't like uncommon to like have people married into your family who were maybe Serbian or Croatian um especially with like neighbors and stuff so I think a lot of people didn't want to believe that the people you talk to every day are um preparing or engaging to do anything harmful to you or your loved ones um but there was like some like I think like I don't know if it's like gut feelings for people I think there's like a lot of talk about potentially happening so my mom had originally bought a bus ticket for sylvania to kind of like leave the country at the time um, but because so many people were in denial i think i think she was just kind of gaslit to be honest into believing that she was like overreacting so we actually ended up never going um on that bus trip and then shortly after is when they closed the borders down um, and kind of just started taking over each city and so, at the time, for people who might not know the history, we used to be like one big country, um, which is now like references ex-Yugoslavia. So, when our leader had died, um, it kind of started. People started breaking apart for the, like, the own independent countries. But the Serbian army took the actual army that was associated with Yugoslavia. So Bosnia didn't have um, any like ability to fight for itself or no like formal army. So there was like not really a lot of options when they wanted to invade. So our president's belief at the time was um, at least if he let them in, some people might have an option to flee versus if we tried to fight them off to start. Um, So yeah, they shut the borders down. And as I said, my dad was outside the country at the time and had luckily also missed his train to return back to (coughs) Bosnia. So he, was lucky in the fact that I believe everybody on that train ended up being murdered upon arrival. Um, and then what they kind of did was they kind of went through the villages and they took a lot of the young men and separated them into like more of the harder labor camps. And then the women and children kind of went into separate camps and the camps were just kind of like taken over buildings. So my mom and I were actually, you know, in what used to be like a schoolhouse and so that's where we were kept for a while and then transitioned from like base to base. Um, And that kind of went on for about seven and a half months that we were kind of transitioned from base to base. Um, and then what happened? And so I'm a big believer. As Abby knows we connect a lot on the universe pieces, <laughs> but a lot of like things that kind of like intervene universe wise. Um, my dad's mom's brother <laughs> was in the Yugoslavian army prior to everything, um, and actually stayed with the army even when things started. Um, I I mean, I guess I can't speak for my family, but I think there's just like a lot of brainwashing at the time. I think he was brainwashed into even like self-hatred of himself as a Muslim at that point, but he was higher ranking in the army. And he happened to be at that base when me and my mom were there, saw us, took us out to live with him at the time. So we stayed there for a while until my dad was able to get information about us. And then he um, it worked to kind of get us to cross the border into Croatia, which, um, was a lot of different things, like getting like falsified paperwork and stuff like that. And then we escaped into Croatia where we stayed for approximately a year. Um, my mom got pregnant with my brother, Aladdin, which is also the first cartoon that I'd ever seen in theaters. So,
0: <laughs>
2: uh, it just worked out that it happened to be a Muslim name. So my mom let me, <laughs> <coughs> I love that story <laughs> I always tell him he was lucky that I didn't see, like, Lion King and got named Simba or something. (laughs) Yeah, we stayed there for a little bit. And then um, my dad's youngest brother was in one of the worst camps. So when the Red Cross came through and liberated people, he um, was able to kind of come as a refugee pretty quickly to elsewhere. So he came here to Minnesota in Rochester, Minnesota, which at the time was also in like Money Magazine is like one of the best cities in the U.S. financially to stay at. And my dad's sister went to Sweden. So it was between those two places for us when um, paperwork was sent on both behalves. The American papers came earlier. So we came to America. <laughs> and um, so kind of when you, come, you have, like the refugee process after that is like somebody that you know has to like vouch for you or like sponsor you in order for you to come to you you then all kind of come to the same place um and we came to Rochester Minnesota at the time and Lutheran Services in Minnesota does a lot around the world when it comes to refugee things so that's kind of why Minnesota takes a lot of refugees to begin with Um, so yeah that's kind of how we got here I don't know how much further.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's okay. No, Amr, I know you've shared like snippets of the story with me at, at work or just when we're um, hanging out because it, it's one of those things that I feel it just sucks that I'm so naive to a lot of world happenings because I mean, like we've talked about America thinks it is the center of the world. And when you learn history or when you learn just world events, it's only things that ever make America look in a good light. And it really never, we never hear about uh, other countries, especially um, over even anywhere near like the Middle East or Asia or Russia, right. In like the troubles. I mean, we see that now, right. In like with all the Afghanistan and um, all the things going on there, but I'm, It's just a fascinating story. Yeah. Like you were born across the world and then we met in 2018. It's just a a wild story. And I also didn't realize you were away from your dad that long. Like you and your family were really just kind of bouncing base camp to base camp. That
2: Mm
0: -hmm. is so scary. Like you had no contact at all.
2: No, he actually didn't know we were alive the whole time, obviously, like due to not being able to communicate in and out. And so it's interesting, like when you talk about that, like that whole piece of like history or like knowing things outside of your bubble, because even like the way I talk about my story, I think is so filtered through that type of bubble. Like I even like in that thing, like I think I like probably awkwardly stumbled through it because it's like you don't really know what's appropriate to share or what feels like the information you want to go into or what makes mm-hmm. sense um and then like how do you how that's like impacted I think me over time like um as I was like reflecting before we even did this podcast because the only tidbit you gave me was like yeah we'll talk about you coming here I was like oh gosh like, like <laughs> how that fits in because so much of like coming here people like often will fixate the story on like Right, there's this big tragedy, like this big traumatic event and then, lucky you you came here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like really beautiful after that when it's like for me, those traumas I think are more like stuck with me somatically, probably in a lot of ways, where then like the things that built off of coming here and like navigating this world, I think is where it gets more complex. Um, and then the statement that kind of kept sticking out to me was like, um, like how do you learn to make sense of yourself in an environment that doesn't like include you. And so then like how does that change like your own version of life or like the way you like create segments within yourself and then process it back later. Because this topic specifically, I think I've always had like this elevator speech that I know to kind of like go through where it's like, yep, this is information people want, but you don't want to go too far this direction. Or I might not want to go too far in certain directions. And then right it just kind of sits out there and you kind of like hoping it like lands in a way that's appropriate or um yeah I don't know kind of rambling no
1: I mean I'm also sure like kind of like what you're saying like you like a in the sense of you saying like you have an elevator speech but also in the sense of you thinking it through and like okay this is my life and you're just used to kind of explaining it because you lived it so when you're like Mm -hmm. having to re-explain it to someone else like maybe you know like you explaining the story just right now firsthand like obviously I'm listening to it for the first time and all of our listeners are too and it's kind of one of those where it's like oh my gosh what like all those things happened, like, are you okay? You know what I mean? Like, but it's also one of those things where, like, for you, like, you've lived so much of that, and, like, you've had to just kind of, like, tell your story in the way that, so people can understand it, you know what I mean? But, but it's still, like, your traumas and everything that you've went through, so it's just kind of, it's different, different trying to explain it, you know, but I don't know if that makes
2: sense. Yeah, and I think even over time, like, I think in the last, like, probably like five to seven years just like my own internal work that I've done like how that narrative keeps unfolding right like it used to be like such little segments of like this happened that happened and very like on and on but then like the depths of like well, oh, what do these pieces mean mm-hmm. right because I think Abby brought up that piece of like being separated from my dad that's probably one of the heavier parts for me of like how I think that impacted me or like how that then like developed into our connection I think being probably a little bit more codependent (laughs) in some ways like almost like still having kind of like this trauma bond. I always think about it like I always make jokes it's like that's the one person I know I can always get in contact with and when I can't right there's that panic response and it's like okay where does that come from and then you go back to like right 30 years prior and you're like oh this Peace, right? And how it just kind of keeps growing and developing into different layers in your own life is just kind of wild to look at.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you of all people have helped me too, right? In my own stuff, look back at how there's always, I, I think Danielle and I actually were talking about last night, there's always a thread of these connections in your life from when, yeah, childhood and how those stories or adversities make you who you are today and Mm -hmm. yeah just like sitting hearing that thinking too it it makes sense that it all kind of plays a part and one thing I forgot to say that you're also really like a big activist around is around immigration and I know you've briefly touched on that uh in right when there was like when Trump was trying to do the Muslim ban doing all of these things and it's like America has this one look of what a Muslim looks like or has views on immigration from like a certain standpoint and so ridiculous. And then you sharing, you're like, well, having lived that, like I, I had to cross the borders illegally for safety and people don't always hear that side of it as well. I mean, you don't have to go in any more depth as you want, but I think that's important too. like, instead of hearing that, Oh, people coming to America are X, Y, Z, whatever stereotype people want to say it's
2: it's they're only
1: or they're only people who say that they're only coming for something bad, like, or just to, you know, infiltrate America and just all those different things, which is like, not the case. You know, there's so many, it's kind of like, we talk about it all the time. Like everyone has different stories for the things that they do. It's kind of, I mean, it's interesting that you brought up Aladdin because it's like, think about Aladdin, like he was stealing for food for his family you know it wasn't necessarily because he was just trying to be like an evil person you know what I mean and just kind of like that whole I mean it's a weird like Disney reference like back and forth thing but you know there's always there's always reasons why people are doing certain things and I think it's hard for Americans sometimes to look at
2: it from that perspective you know yeah yeah and definitely, like, as you kind of keep bringing up that piece of, like, advocacy of, like, why it's felt so important is I think one of the privileges my family obviously has is being, like, white refugees. And we tend to be more of, like, the digestible story for a lot of people and, like, realizing, I think, the power that comes with that. Because, like, I mean, for most people who know me, I'm a very private person. <laughs> like, I'd rather listen than talk most of the time or go into detail about different parts of my own life. But I think it's like, I remember in high school, like having a very significant um, interaction with like people in my community and just like really clicking the power that I had of like the spaces that I would be let into due to them. And how do you learn to utilize those parts of your story, right? That are like the human connecting parts which still feel traumatic, right? Cause it's like, yep, it's your story but like you have to learn to find ways to almost use it to get people to get in touch with empathy because they're probably more like to connect to you because you represent like a poster version of what they want which is right you came here you worked you did that da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. they're not willing to really grant I think across the board to other refugees um which is just kind of like so interesting to constantly balance I think or like juggle those balls of where do your lines and boundaries land of like vulnerability versus like your responsibility back to humanity, because you might have certain, um, powers that other people might not. And so I think it's always just interesting to find like, what are the ways we can use our stories to connect? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Did is, I don't even know if I've ever asked you, but kind of your own story leading up to, is that why you got into social work? Like wanting like from your own story and wanting to help out others or <coughs> no.
2: <laughs> I think okay, when you look back, right, you can connect the dots. So there's certain pieces where it's like I was always part of those systems, right? Like either when I came here we were receiving. Um my dad um happened to kind of land into work like that. Um the organization that helped us. He ended up being like an interpreter for them and kind of worked his way up. And so I kind of grew up in the social services area, but I think this is just silly. But I always have drawn people to me who seem to be hurting or going through a lot. I remember distinctly as a child, people was coming up to me and telling me like deep, deep things without any like being provoked. And I used to think that was just like a common. (laughs) <laughs> for most people so I hear you I, girl yeah, I would, be would be like a little bit more social anxiety I think came from it like I stopped wanting to go even to the grocery store because I'd be like okay to go there and then I'm gonna have to talk to someone <laughs> and then all these things and I think it just kind of like kept unfolding in that way where something just clicked one day where I was just like oh like maybe that's what I'm supposed to do is like just kind of be a space for people Um, And then I just kind of explored that through, um, I originally like went into like psychology because people really scared me away from social work in high school. They were like telling me I was going to have to like take people's kids away and I could only do CPS work and that made me panic. And I was like, I'm not up for that. So (laughs) I was like, okay, no, I like people, I like human behavior. At the time I was really fascinated with human behavior, specifically in understanding like what took place in my country like what comes to a place where your neighbor would be like stockpiling weapons to Mm -hmm. harm you um and so I went down that route and ended up getting like a front desk job at some psych place and this is where I met like the social work team in Rochester that worked with um chronic alcoholics who were homeless and that just clicked for me because what I really liked was they were right there with them in the process it wasn't like this desk job and that's kind of like when I just kind of it's like epiphany and I (laughs) just Put my two weeks' notice and moved to the cities. And started school, and somebody said to send for an interview. I didn't even know what they did there at the time, and it all just kind of lined up. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like
0: the universe knew. Or can pull out, like Danielle is over here like vigorously head nodding Mm. um, because people do the same thing to her. Like people know she can handle it. (laughs) And Danielle's like, well, okay, I'm here. I guess I will hold all of your trauma. It's just
1: kind of like a weird, it's really, it's funny that you say that because it really is like a weird space because like there, you know, there's times when you're just like sitting on the bus and you're not even saying anything to anyone. You're just like, oh, hey. And you smile at someone and then that person's telling you like their whole life story. And you're like, what happened here? like how 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 did we get here like I'm listening like I'm there but like what is going on and I mean I think I think it is good (laughs) that there are people that like do experience that and like can hold space for people in those moments because sometimes people
2: just need to talk you know like yeah
1: you just need to have those moments (laughs)
2: yeah I'm definitely a big believer in like auras right and I've always like been like there has to be like some sort of aura that makes some people feel safe immediately enough to just kind of open up Cause like you said, it used to be like really funny things like that where you'd be like, hi, how's it going? And then this guy's like going into deep detail about his divorce. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like 15. You, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry for you.
1: And you have a moment where you think to yourself, did I ask this person a question or did I like <laughs> forgot or like, what just happened? <laughs> it's fine.
0: Yeah. D- yeah. Danielle has said like at her store, like. Customers will come in and yeah, we'll be the same thing. Like, Oh, how, how can I help you? And they really take that question to heart. <laughs> They're just like, let me tell you how you can help me. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is like the universe giving signs like, Oh, you can handle this. Cause you've been through harder. So this person needs, needs you, or it, it is kind of interesting that yeah, the stars aligned, right? Like things, like you said, things can happen for a reason. And They led you to, yeah, where you are. And yeah, you work with me in the eating disorder realm. And yeah, I always find that fascinating that you're like, I didn't even know what eating disorders were.
2: I I never even like really heard the terminology until that interview. (laughs) It's really funny because originally I didn't even want the job because it was like an on call position. And at the time, I just quit my job. So I was like, I need to find something like stable, right? And there's like this other county job that was a little similar to what I was doing with like good benefits. But like you said, the way the universe works, it's like this, I think, aligned better for like my soul, I think, in that way, because like after a couple of weeks of working there, like something just clicked and it just felt like, yep, this is like what I'm meant to do. But yeah, I remember that first interview and they're like asking me questions about food and I was just like so confused because they be like, what like what don't you eat or like what's your family not eat and I thought at the time because I was Muslim and we didn't eat pork that that was the issue so I was like wow these people really like I can't like go this question <laughs> <I don't laughs> I eat anything else and now looking back it's like oh <laughs> like you wanted to know if I had like disordered eating <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: just amazing. <laughs> those little stories make me laugh so hard because it it to me is unfathomable knowing you that you would just kind of willingly go into a job being like, okay, yeah, sure, but then you are I feel like so made for this work, and there is a need for uh, therapists who have a trauma focused lens, which you bring to every client, and yeah, we personally share clients and work together one-on-one and take a very individualized approach is what we hear (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you, I feel like are just meant for working in that. And again, with the reflection, it's like things happen. And then you look back and you and I have talked about Danielle and I have talked about just looking back and realizing, Oh, how disordered eating has shown up in our own lives or, um, exercise. And it, it is wild where, past brings us I'm just saying that over and over again in this (laughs) podcast apparently um it's true though (laughs) yeah. yeah and uh yeah so there wasn't even the terminology like you said like in Bosnian or knowing like eating disorder uh eating disorder um symptoms excuse me and do you feel like yeah working in this space has allowed you to
2: reflect and gain a healthier relationship with food yeah, um, it's so interesting because, like, yeah, that piece, like, my culture doesn't have, like, I think a lot of vocabulary or just, like, even, like, maybe space for mental health. like, things are very kind of a little bit more old school, at least, like, growing up was, like, right, you're normal or you're crazy, right, there was, like, no in between, there was, like, no understanding, which is so fascinating when you think about, like, what everyone survived in our culture that people just kind of kept moving forward without any Yeah. Um, Support or services, like you just kind of dropped into a new country and they're like, here's a job. And then everyone just kind of went about their own way. <laughs> and it's like, cool. It's like, okay, you went through this major trauma. Like, have a good one. <laughs> yeah, like that still blows me when I think about refugee or immigrant services. that we just plop people into a new country and then we're like, okay, here's a job. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you. like assimilate the best way you can. Like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, um, I think. Like I said, like once I started working there, it was all of a sudden like I've seen this before, right? And I was like, I've seen these behaviors in my culture specifically, which really just kind of made me more and more fascinated. I think what led me down that lane of trauma work because I was like, I know I see these types of behaviors so commonly in my own culture, or it's become so normalized, and it's like, why? Like, why is it so normalized? And I just think when you think of that piece of like coping with trauma in the body it makes so much sense why we would see eating disorders with people who have high trauma or in populations that have survived atrocities and I think that just kind of fueled my curiosity more and more because especially I started there like eight years ago and at the time I don't think anybody around me was talking about trauma or what that looked like like eating disorders had one textbook look and the clients we were seeing were the same exact clients over and over again and so I remember constantly feeling confused because I think so, like, I see this in my culture, but then why am I not seeing more people here from different cultures, um, which just kind of, like you said, as things kept expanding, and I think as we got more, like, education in communities or access to treatment, we started seeing different clientele coming in, and then we started seeing, like, it doesn't actually match the way that we're treating, right, in those populations, and kind of bringing back to what you said, having to take an individualized approach, even though there is no like blueprint right so it's like often I know when we first started working together we're like shooting in the dark we were like let's see if this works like we think it might work but like this isn't how they treat eating disorders typically and then like I think just collecting your own data but I think learning to trust yourself in the process to be like right I might have this intuition to do it differently due to my experiences and that might actually be valid and valuable even if there isn't like data to back up this time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've definitely felt very empowered working with you. Cause it's like, I'm not like silly thinking this way. Right. That like something else could work differently than like, yeah, traditional CBT or DBT, which of course is dietitian are, were newer acronyms to me anyway. <laughs> like I deal with food, <laughs> not all, not a lot of the therapeutic uh, pieces, but yeah, I feel like even in our own world, like Danielle and I, and our like friend group from college, we are talking more about trauma. So Mm -hmm. it, it it is crazy how it's just filtering in all aspects of my life, both the mental health work and friendships.
1: It's just good to hold. It's good to like, just have more knowledge of that type of stuff and like hold space for it. And I think like I don't know. I just think like growing up, you just don't really talk about a lot of that stuff sometimes. So then like, once you just kind of like take a second and are like, Whoa, okay. Like, let's talk about trauma. Let's talk about what happened when this trauma happened to you, what is going on with this and not, it doesn't have to be like super specific, but just like actually like taking a second to think about it is huge. And a lot of times you don't, cause you just kind of go through life and you just, you just aren't thinking about it. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. so, so then something intense happens and you're like, Oh crap, I got to start thinking <laughs> about this now. Like, you know,
2: yeah. It's just like normalizing the coping mechanisms that we create from it. Mm-hmm. Cause like I'm in that piece of like, right. Like it makes so sense why you necessarily exist like in parallel to trauma. But then like, I think of my community specifically, it's like, it's so normative, all the coping mechanisms and all the behaviors that complementary to trauma that it becomes culture. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's like, how do you start dissecting and bringing healing And then like, what's the line of bringing healing versus like maybe forcing on Westernized concepts. So it's like, uh, cause you and me have talked about this before, Abby, but it's like, are people healing maybe better in certain communities without ever having the label put Mm -hmm. on them Um, versus if, right? I think about like if I at 17 years old got assessed all the labels I could have been diagnosed with at the time would I have ever been able to move forward past that and find true healing like would it have weighed me down or not. I think it's just so interesting to dissect and think about especially I think, like in our field because like we have to put the labels on there but then it's like pros or cons for some people It might be very validating and um helpful to be like okay right like this makes sense like why i do this or for others like what happens if you get that label too early like do you then become kind of institutionalized in some way right
1: Mm -hmm. like it could become very crippling (laughs) because then a lot of people might not know how to like overcome that because they're Mm -hmm. because they see a lot of like negative stigmas behind it or something yeah
0: yeah oh gosh i just feel like i have to take a deep breath (laughs) because so much (laughs) so much good good stuff and so in like insightful too. Mm-hmm. Um, a question I have is what do you think for your own mental health journey? We've talked a lot to a lot of people in mental health on our podcast so far, but you are actually, I believe our first, like actually licensed mental health, <laughs> mental <laughs> yeah. health care worker. So as a social worker, a therapist, I mean, you do like individual therapy, but for you particularly, what do you think has been the most helpful in your own like healing? That's a good question. I don't
2: know that I would pick one thing. I feel like each part of my journey, I have, again, going back to that universe piece, I think been sent the right people for my needs at the time that have really helped me develop in it. I think one of them, right, starting off with like working a program, I think that made me start looking at my relationship with food or my past relationship with food in my body and asking questions and then starting to be like, okay, that's interesting that I reacted this way. Um, and then I think like little by little i would had different life events, right? That kind of kept leading me into having like trauma responses that I was like, they don't feel like appropriate for what's happening right now. Right. I'd be like, this feels so intense. But logically like I know what's happening around me doesn't require this response and I think one thing that I feel very blessed for is I've always been a very curious individual and I've always been like a seeking person I've always like wanted to understand more or I've always sought out answers if I don't have them I'd be like someone else has figured it out so it must exist I think we're just kept kind of leading me to the right people and the right information um and I think like in the last five years I would say like the more groundbreaking healing stuff for me has been like very specific I think to one trauma therapy but to like attachment work like what does it mean to have like secure attachment within yourself or like inner child work I think has been really really fascinating and then going from there I think trying to unpack like what are all the systematic things that have shaped the way I exist believe and feel which has been its own interesting process um and so I think just Constantly being like, why, right? Like, why is this happening? Why am I thinking this? Why am I doing this? Has been like a saving grace in the journey of like finding more peace and like more alignment. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it also just means that you're constantly striving to grow, you know, like you're because I think like once you aren't growing and you're not curious about learning like that's when like the bad part like tries to seep into people so I think it's always good to like be curious about what's going on in your brain or what's going on your body and all those things because if you're not then you're you aren't growing and like we always should be just as human beings like we always should be pushing ourselves and I think like clearly that's that's what you're doing you know like that's what's helping you and like like you said that's what's making you create so much like space for yourself but it's because you're
2: trying to keep learning and growing yeah I think you're so right about that and like just I always think people for people like we often get those clients where they're like I don't know what the future is going to look like so what am I working towards or like my brain's always been the opposite where it's like I know I don't want to feel what I'm feeling now Right. So like that's enough for me to understand that there has to be something better because I can look around and see other people seem to be happier or whatever showing up in different ways. And so then it's like, what are they doing that I could possibly mimic? <laughs> and so <laughs> I think that framework, I think, is very important because um, I think people often get stuck with like, right, I don't know how to or it's not possible for me or for me. I'm like, if it exists in the world, there's no reason I can't learn to mimic it mm-hmm. and make it like happen in my own realm hmm
0: Yeah. And earlier we were saying too, right. Like eating disorders, like how they present or any mental health or maladaptive coping skill is just that like, it's a coping skill of like, somehow you learned or intuitively knew, like this can make me feel better. And right. We tell our clients all the mm-hmm. time, like eating disorders present as issues with food and body image, but are not actually about that. There's more underneath. And in all of my sessions with my clients, I'm like, damn it, just go talk to Amra. I wish I could talk. I mean, I can talk a little bit more about this, whatever topics coming up, but I always have to write, bring it back to the food. Like, okay, how can I help this? And if it's something right, talking more about underlying mental health concerns, like, Ooh, we touched on that. Go talk with your therapist about it. And I was like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You guys have a really cool job. I love it. <laughs> and you have a skill set to do that, right? I think it's just mm-hmm. so hard in like systems mm-hmm. when it's like, here's your role, here's your guidelines that you fall into. Yeah, like that's that,
0: right. The scope of
2: practice.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've i learned that it's not that I can't talk about those things. It's just being able to yeah, tie it back to, right? If someone's having like a difficult emotion around food and it reminds them of, something in their past, we can talk about that. Cause it's related, but I also am like, Ooh, would I be fully equipped to walk someone through like mm-hmm. a safety plan that has nothing to do with, with food? Probably not, but have I done it? Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> <laughs> well, like in residential, it is like, I sit with people who have panic attacks and it's like, I never thought that's what I would do as a dietitian, but sometimes you do it.
1: Well, I think I'm like really? another part that I thought was really interesting that you're talking about is like realizing when you have the space to talk about your own story, because I think also that's really difficult for people sometimes too, because like people do carry so much like on a day to day. And sometimes it is difficult to find those spaces when it makes sense to use your story for like, everyone has good powers, but like, when do you use your powers for good? You know, like mm-hmm. when, when is the time when you can come out of your shell and like, really talk about certain things and like I think it's great that you're referencing the fact that you are an introvert so it's a little bit harder to get into those spaces sometimes but because you knew that you sharing parts of your story could help others is really really big and I just think that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <It's> so- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, have you have you ever had moments when, like, you have told your stories to people and you've gotten, like, feedback back or, like, been able to help people further with something because of you telling your story?
2: Um, yes and no. I think sometimes I think people are really well-intended when they're curious and want to hear things, but then, like, you can see, like, the heaviness set in. Um, and this is a piece that I've always like battled with because it's like, I didn't really have a choice, but to have my bubble burst at a young age about like the realities of the world, but it's also really, really sucky to see other people's bubbles burst. And I think I've thought about that a lot through COVID, um, seeing a lot of people experience their first big traumatic event or like systematic concepts and you're kind of like seeing these bubbles burst where in your mind at first, you're like, how did you not think of that? Or how did like, like, where does your trust in people come from? Like, why would you not expect the worst? But it's also very, very sad when you're in that moment. So I think it's always kind of like, as I've gotten older, I think I've gotten better about balancing a little bit more of like, where can I use these like little seeds and nuggets to so plant change and just hopefully along the lines it like might grow into something. Um, I think times that it's really worked well is, so when we first came, like I said, we were in Rochester, Minnesota, which was my first experience with the concept of the US. Um, and a lot of people that I at least had met, <laughs> was surrounded by, um, had very, very, I think, limited worldviews in general. So I remember thinking, <laughs> at the time I didn't notice as much as when I was a kid right because I think like I said I didn't really realize that privilege of being like a white refugee and I think people kind of flocked to me I think I remember a lot almost like like this like special pet in the classroom where like they knew I was different but nobody really could like do those layers but then as I got older I think I started kind of noticing some of those differences and I think once I kind of overcame some of my own like internalized stuff like what that meant because I think I felt a lot of shame at first like why was I allowed to be treated better and just all these like layers that were kind of going through um I do think it's helped some people that I've kind of come across because I think again that personal touch is what people always tie back to so like at most right they might be like okay i have a good connection with them so maybe i could be more open-minded to other things and i hope that that is kind of continued to influence down the line um people i think my dad probably does a way better job <laughs> at things like that i think he's very good for holding space for people he might disagree with um, Whereas I've gotten older, I think my patience has probably also gotten a little bit shorter. So sometimes I'm not like in the most empathetic place, I think, to use that as a form of connection. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. I no,
1: of- <laughs> it, it completely does. It really, really does. I mean, I think, I think it's hard because obviously like I mean, like it's it's your story. So, I mean, you don't, you can say or do whatever you want with it, but I just, I think it's, I think it's good that there, it does touch some people in different ways and you've
0: learned like different ways to talk to people about it,
1: you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And having, you've said this a few times already, but yeah, having to share your story that's already vulnerable and then feeling like you have to hold space then for Mm -hmm. someone just by hearing it
2: is Ugh, a lot I <laughs> yeah. feel icky yeah <laughs> I think I've like gotten better like checking in with myself when I have capacity and stuff like that because I think like going back to like our own healing journeys it's like my default response for most of my life has been like dissociating and numbing out and so usually for a long time talking about things that were heavier was easy because it was just like the script, right? Like I wasn't connected to it. It was just like, here's like my life story, ABCD. But I think the more that I've become connected emotionally, I've noticed like sometimes it's like, Oh, well, like I'm feeling energy coming up or I'm feeling those emotions. And then trying to find that line for myself too of like, okay, like, is this something I can go into tonight? And what does it mean when people might not be able to hold space for it I think was a very important thing to learn um that people could still love you and care for you even if they're not capable of understanding you which I think can be very freeing um that I wish was like talked about a lot earlier like in the journey of like um healing your own trauma because for so long I had this black and white thing of like no one could ever possibly understand me so what's the point of getting close what's the point of connecting where I think um, I'm kind of referencing like one of our old bosses and I think like really gave me an like breakthrough kind of perspective and like learning from them was like that piece, like people can so love and care even if they don't understand, which I think gave me a lot of freedom to be like, okay, sometimes I will share things. They won't make sense to the people around me. They won't know how to engage with it. And that doesn't mean anything about me or them. And then have, like right tend to my inner child when it doesn't feel seen and then still move forward. Detachment from the outcome. Who knew (laughs) that theme would keep
0: playing out this week? Yes. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) It's almost like my own personal, like learning and healing mimics the themes that go on at work. It's insane. Like obviously very very that's different. Welcome. It is cool. <laughs> like, well, in 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 like I lead body image groups. Some of the things that I teach, it's like, oh, I probably needed to hear this today. And a little bit of me is maybe selfishly doing that, but you know, it's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's enjoy, it, and that's what I think about you too, Amers. You're very authentic, and you do bring in. You're like, well, in my culture, like you'll bring in those like personal s- snippets when it's important or when it makes sense to, yeah, kind of build rapport with a client. Um, and also, yeah, just bring some similarity and help for clients have buy-in sometimes to to whatever they might be struggling with. Um, another thing that Amra is very passionate about is voting (laughs) (laughs) takes clients. To vote when every year, even during the primaries. My first time voting in the primaries was with uh with Amra. I'd never voted between a presidential election. Uh, so that was really fun <laughs> to do. And um, yeah, you do a lot of like by one of my favorite stories of Amra was yeah, taking a group of clients to the polls. And it's again a residential facility. So we have to show all this paperwork that yes, they do live here and da, 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 and the polling person initially was like nope you can't do it and Amra was like listen here I like, <laughs> got this dude it was like okay okay
2: bye <laughs> like a folder of paperwork <laughs> you know, I'm like wearing a costume that day with like a huge crown and like a cape, <laughs> trying to get the clients fighting in a church
1: <laughs> yes. no, but that's so that's so good though that you like fought for to make sure that everyone was able to vote I mean it's a really amazing privilege that we all have and like being able to exercise that right is huge. So,
0: I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. When did you first get into uh like just interested in politics? I mean, I feel like it all does kind of like meld very perfectly with advocacy, but didn't know okay. if there was anything in particular.
2: Um, I don't know if I remember like a specific moment. I think it was just always part of my life like having to like understand those things from like things that happen back home and then like what it means to come here and I think a lot of it probably started more in college I I mean social media I think for me was like a huge game changer in so many ways I always talk about this like following so many different advocates in general I think has expanded not the way I think or the way I like Um, have healed myself but the way it's even like impacted my practice um, in our work, I think has been huge. But I think I would probably say maybe social media would be like a place because I think I before kind of had this like fairyland concept of politics in the US, like, right, it's not as corrupt as back home, right? Like, and then we came to during like the Bill Clinton era, which at the time Bill Clinton was like and still is a huge figure in our country because he's seen as like freeing our people. So there's like all these like positive things tied into it. So I remember my first concept that there could be something bad in politics, I want to say, was when I was like the Al Gore George Bush. Yeah. The concept that there could be something that wasn't positive happening here in politics. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as we kind of talked earlier, it's like I, I mean, I'm a lot more extroverted now, but I was a huge introvert growing up um, to the point where like a lot of people didn't know I could speak English for a long time because I was just mute, (laughs) but my dad would push me into a lot of like different um, options or like roles and stuff like that. My dad is very extroverted and he signed me up to be part of this like youth commission in Olmstead County, which um, it was like 16 youth, 16 adults just involved in different like county items to like improve the community and stuff like that. And that's like when I met like probably my first like real mentor and her name was I'll give her a shout out. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> my name, and she really has brought me out of my shell and they started organizing this thing of like teaching kids about voting and going out and doing like these rock your vote type events. And that's kind of like what got me into that concept. And then right as you kind of grow and learn and deconstruct a lot of things and I was like oh wow (laughs) the (laughs) systems here are holy crap like right and then now I'm at this point where I'm like am I better off coming Coming to the US (laughs) 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 my whole life but yeah that's kind of what got me into it and I think also like that secondary piece of like that trauma response of like trapped fight energy I think that's just been a really good channel for it for me like a healthy channel of like advocacy and like using that for like power in like beneficial ways versus like this internal struggle yeah
0: and what a great reflection you said too you're like well I've always had to like think about politics right just with your lived experience whereas me Again, there was there' was some privilege right there, like, yeah, I just had to think about who my mom or my grandma was voting for. Okay, cool, like, and then didn't think about politics from the rest on, whereas, yeah, you saw where politics could play hugely in your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah. really important to know. And also, uh, Amra currently is wearing her bernie uh, sweatshirt with the <laughs> with the, the mask the mask a client actually crocheted her a little bernie like that and it is so cute <laughs> I love it <laughs> uh, oh my goodness I even though I've known you for a while Amra I've already learned so much more about you <laughs> I love it I love it um. Is there anything, I mean, any other topics that you wanted to touch on? I know we're kind of like bouncing around here and there, but anything in particular that you're like, oh, I would like to give this a shout out. I I may ask if you have any of your favorite like advocates, like Instagram social handles or just your favorite advocates, we can maybe look up the social stuff to put in. If anyone should follow like top three. Oh, I know what,
1: sorry, I know one, before you answer that, I know one thing that I was going to say is that I think it's really great that um, you touched on social media being like a place where you got your advocacy advocacy information because it's kind of funny because i feel like sometimes social media kind of gets a bad rap in that sense but mm-hmm. it also like can go the other way so i think it's i think it's interesting to really like make sure to find the correct sources and knowing that obviously not everything that you see on social media is like perfect or anything but i think it is great it is a great tool that we have been able to have like in the more now in our world which we didn't have that before so I think it is great but I think it's also just yeah it's good to like harp on that piece too but I think it's
2: yeah that's the thing I love social media for that concept that you can curate your own bubble your own world right because it's like even if like your own community your own space is not creating room for you or if you're like constantly surrounded by people who have like maybe negative um energy or beliefs and stuff like that like I that's like the first thing I always do with clients and like we know how often people are on their phones and even subconsciously taking in messages So it's like make that bubble give you the messages that make you feel good about life right or that connect you to these like higher concepts that I think is just like for me and again being introverted I'm probably connecting more through social media often than maybe face-to-face has like expanded mm-hmm. like my whole concept of existence or like body image or like what true alignment looks like versus like these things were sold as like this is happiness mm-hmm. Um, but going off of like people to follow I don't know if I can give you one I can go grab my phone <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> no. I'm just not good at like remembering names or handles because I follow so many. Yeah. Um, But my biggest things right now that I really like is anything that talks about like decolonizing like your own mind, I think is like really important and fascinating work. And I think has just made me think about mental health in a different way and like healing in a different way. Um, And then anything around like fat liberation. Um, So I would probably recommend starting with those hashtags and then just kind of seeing like the content. That you're reading and stuff like that, who you want to follow and kind of building from there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because you've also built like the best TikTok, like mental health TikTok feed, too. You said I love TikTok. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I think it's good to make sure that you are creating your social media space the way it should be, but also looking at that curation and knowing, like, okay, am I am I still growing and learning in what I'm curating, mm-hmm. or is it just all the same voices. Cause I think that's, that's sometimes a a place that people get into too. And I mean, we realized that a lot, you know, once like black lives matter and everything was becoming more popular, I guess you should say um, like people, you know, were looking at their feeds and thinking like, Oh my gosh, like I only have these voices on my feed and I don't have these. So I think it's also good to make sure that the world that you're creating in social media also has a lot of different voices in it
2: yeah and like how lucky are we to like have that access at our fingertips to like hear a whole other human's experience firsthand i think it's just like one of the coolest things ever and probably why i like tiktok so much is like you have to see these are like one to three minute videos of like a true human mm-hmm. describing their story and like things about it and like making you think in different ways yeah. yeah.
0: I just always watch the ones that both of you send me. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, "Ooh, this is good." This got me. Here you go. it send- on
0: TikTok, Abby.
1: No, I I like I Quite had to create the times. <laughs> I mean, I know. uh, who knows? We might have a podcast TikTok at some point here. You know, we're we got to we're got our marketing scheme, okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think I had to create uh a handle well I didn't even create the handle I think I just like yeah sign up so I could see the videos like mm-hmm. that you guys send me so I have the thing <laughs> I just haven't curated it yet <laughs> but I have like specific things like yeah Amr you send me mental health stuff Danielle you send me a little bit of like everything and then my yeah. other friend Abby sends me all like 90s like making fun of Backstreet Boy like because that's our favorite right boy band but making fun of the 90s like just mm-hmm. haha <laughs> yeah
1: Amara, um, another question that these are two random questions, but you know, do you know what A, your zodiac sign is? And people oh. well, obviously you do. And then B, like, do you know what your Enneagram is?
2: Um I am a Gemini. Okay. Gotcha. I think just, like fits my whole life, like the dualities, like interpreted expert, like everything. I'm just, I feel like constantly across the map. <laughs> and like I that whole it. time feel, like, what does real alignment look like between these like two fighting energies? <laughs> um I don't remember what the number is do you remember why, what like I, the name of it is maybe I took it I think it's like the challenger I was like you're, you're an, age. an age I know you <laughs> <laughs> I love and it I only took it because people like random people on the internet would be like are you an enneagram age or whatever and i was like fine let me go take this damn test so I can figure <laughs> out what you're talking about but yeah it ended up being that I love it uh, that yeah, was like, we- that was my guess for you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, we, we have to ask this, these big questions for these now. Cause we've had like two guests that are about astrology and Enneagrams. And so now it's like very interesting, and exciting to kind of like know what our, where our guests are and what they know. It's yeah. Going. It's yeah.
0: It was a whole thing with Amra at, uh, at one point in our milieu at the house, like we would read our, horoscopes like just from the newspaper like every day at, like noon and we'd like someone else would have to read them for you and it'd just be this whole funny thing and we'd say if we liked it or not and it was at work that I learned what like the moon and rising sign was I'm like I gotta learn more about this
2: <laughs> it's so funny because it feels so natural to you like that's the first thing I think of when I think of you is like astrology <laughs> I know
0: I know <laughs> and like I'd always like liked it just didn't know a whole lot about it and then I yeah I'm like there's more than just this <laughs> you just I dove know. in
1: real just dove in real deep and you just yeah. more, I, really, was
0: good. I really did at a at a party we were all at uh Amra and another one of our friends Bailey did like okay you have to take a drink if someone does this and mine of course was if I talk about a
1: straw <laughs> you just want to get to know people so you just talk about astrology and like what's going on with them and what what the signs
2: are I mean it works (laughs) it's like so fitting because it's like you're such an information seeker Mm -hmm. right and I think Mm -hmm. like things like that like those tests or astrology or things it's just so interesting because it's just like another way to get to know yourself Mm -hmm. over and over again yeah, w-
0: more growing and learning, you know. <laughs> also, probably why I liked answering all those MySpace quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> <Coming back. laughs>
1: and see, this is the threat of your it's life all right all there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the real like, threat of my life.
2: Yeah,
0: you're just constantly
2: taking quizzes throughout your life, like all the I time. Really was.
0: I really <laughs> was. <laughs>
2: so interesting because when you say that it's like it is that like ongoing thing of like we're constantly like who am I Mm -hmm. over and over again to the universe and just trying to discover it Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. and like we have I feel like we have moments in time when we're like not about what we think we are but then we're like wait no but I thought I was this and I what what's going on with this and then you like take another quiz and you're like yes okay <laughs> like, I'm on track <laughs> yeah. you know like I don't know like I just feel like you are just
0: constantly just kind
1: of figuring it out <laughs> like I'm oh
2: that.
0: yes and well yeah I mean kind of on the topic of like spirituality like uh, I feel like at work, my own spirituality journey has changed. And again, a lot of it has kind of stemmed from just you almost asking open-ended questions like, well, you, could you do this? Or um, you would just like suggest things or we talk about crystals here and there. Um, Yeah. yeah, You're like, how has your spirituality journey ebbed and flowed through life?
2: Yeah. I think that's, just changed so much over time Um, because originally like I said um, my family's Muslim so I was born into that which on its own is also it's like many layers because it's like I was always raised Bosnian first Muslim second so it wasn't like something that was a huge part of my identity but I felt became a huge part after the genocide because like that's what we were being like murdered for so then it became like this important thing to hold and like preserve um, and then to come here there was only like one mosque and um but I remember specifically being told I had to like sit on my own because I was like the only white kid there <laughs> so they would put me wow. in my own like little spot and I remember the guy because he would say God doesn't speak Bosnian and I only knew prayers in Bosnian and I remember even as a kid I was like well then why the fuck did he create it <laughs> because, like, <laughs> I'm just like, like nothing would add up like I'd get these messages and so um that's like, I think where my like hate with my religion first started at the time. Like I remember faking sick every Wednesday when it came time to go to the mosque because I just didn't want to go be in that space. None of it made sense. A lot of the answers that I would often get to my questions and just in general, never made sense to like how I felt like aligned, I think like to empathy, because I think a lot of it was like fear mongering things, which I think systematically in a lot of religions exist when you like look at the man-made parts of it so I went through like a really dark period after that where I didn't feel connected to like God or any like spirituality which I think was really really hard period um and then I don't know it really got me curious again but like it was probably like my early 20s I started reading the Quran on my own and just kind of becoming more curious about like different messages and then um I kind of got a little bit more into like the Judaism concepts and stuff like that and then into astrology and I think that kind of brought my faith full circle where like now I think it's just like a mixture of like um my like Muslim beliefs and then like my energetic universe beliefs that all just kind of tie together like I do believe that there is like a higher good I don't necessarily believe that there's like all these like evil, crazy things on the other side that are meant to scare us. And so I just kind of been following that path more so. Um, My grandfather was very religious, but he would always say like, God knows your soul. And I remember that really sticking with me for a long time. And so the way it's kind of developed now is like, how do I keep purifying my soul the best I can? So when it returns back into the realm, it's like evolved to whatever next degree, hopefully. Um so yeah, that's kind of how I've looked at it more recently in probably the last five years is just kind of like how do I hold space for the parts of me that aren't like maybe the most positive (laughs) traits or like the most evolved traits, but how do I constantly keep evolving and hopefully purifying um that energy to like return back to something? I think a lot
0: of people resonate with that because yeah, you grow up potentially right following very certain strict beliefs. And then I know many people who I grew up with, like kind of going through like a period of feeling guilt, like, Ooh, like, I I don't know if I do truly identify this way. And then feeling guilt of not getting married in a church or in your like religion of, uh, of growing up. And the fact that, yeah, learning like religion, spirituality, and that could be an Instagram versus reality, Danielle, like we were talking about that religion for everyone else is for everyone is your own thing, like a mixture of intuition. Like someone said one time on a podcast, go figure uh, that I would reference that is that like the, your higher power, like that can be within you and I was mm-hmm. like oh <laughs> it's not this like other it doesn't have to be this like outside of yourself being and mm-hmm. that's a really cool way of looking at it and just mixing mm-hmm. and doing what feels best to you and yeah. just know,
1: yeah you you
2: can go <laughs> hey you're the guest you go <laughs> like... I like how lucky I are to have access to a lot of different mm voices like that that I wish I had at a younger age to like explore versus like I feel I've spent most of my 20s deconstructing a lot of what I've been taught. Mm. Like, unfortunately sometimes pairing up with maybe people who had differing views within the same belief system that now I'm like oh like this would have been a nice experience to have from like a young age.
1: Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think it's, uh, I think it's always also good to know that like, like we said, like everyone's religion is their own and like not to judge everyone's religion just because people don't have the same religion as you, or you didn't grow up the same way, or, you know, it doesn't look the same as what you thought it did at one point in time. That doesn't, that isn't something to frown upon, you know, like sometimes people just have, everyone has different ways of walking life. So that goes the same as for religion, you know, like they, it can be whatever it is to them you know and like your inner power can be whatever it is to you it doesn't it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to be the same as the
2: person next to you yeah I agree with that and just like getting to that place of giving yourself the right to exist right like I have the right to exist or navigate my world in many different forms and there isn't like right or wrong way to do that and I think it's just so freeing when you I think get to that point in your life where you're like oh like I actually can relate to my religion in this way where before I felt like this was the only way you could relate to it no one else and even I think I think you Abby and I might have talked about this but like even in the last year like finding this like online mosque that was like social justice oriented which is like the first time I've ever been exposed to or connected with other Muslims who think similarly to me I think it's just expanded my spirituality in that way of being like okay like maybe these concepts and these beliefs weren't so wacky like right like a lot of things can exist other than like what you're constantly sold
1: right like you maybe just weren't in the right space to begin you know like it doesn't mean that everything was wrong about it or anything like that just you just might not have been in the right space with the right people at the right time
2: yeah
0: yeah, and a lot of organized religions too also follow like the patriarchy where it's always like <laughs> males at the top. Because I thought that was the story you were gonna say of how they like made you sit in a different section uh, for being female.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, our religion at least at the time did separate a lot from like mm-hmm. male and female. I think it was just like it was like that identity piece where it was like I wasn't like bossy enough in like. Yeah. Back home, right? I wasn't American enough with like the American kids, and then I wasn't Muslim enough because of this. And I think at that time, it was just like my breaking point where I was just like, screw everything. Then, like, all that fight energy, right, went inwards and became very, very dark for a really long time. And I think then again, going back to all those things we talked about, finding different avenues to funnel it and then rediscover yourself and then rediscover your relationship with all these other spaces that. I'm sure none of those people were like ill-intended right Mm -hmm. in that it was just kind of how I perceived it at that time Mm -hmm. was confusing so as a kid with a lot of questions and then none of the answers ever added up so then it was always like okay something must be wrong with me because I'm not right fitting into these environments right
1: well and you also had been pulled into a foreign environment in itself you know so it's like you were put in an environment that maybe you didn't necessarily want to be in and then you're getting told like you're not enough and this it's just it's a lot of like tugs and pulls so of course it was going to be like there was going to be a point where you're like okay I don't what am I supposed to do with all of this like this is too much too many people are telling me I should be a certain way and that's not how it should be
2: Yeah. And then like even going back to our theme of trauma, it's like one of the first things that I learned is like mirroring, right? Mirroring and modeling what I would see from others as a safety response, right? So it's like, this is what I had to be. This is how I had to look or this and stuff like that to survive. And then I think finally getting to a point of being like not even knowing who you were. At that, because it was like, what was my actual identity? The only thing I knew is that nothing felt right, right? Like nothing felt good, and everything felt wrong. And for so long, I'd be like, something is wrong with me because everyone else seems to be making it work. And then it's like, okay. get older, you do these feelings things, and you're like, nope, <laughs> it's not necessarily that they're making it work, but that's the presentation, right? Like you said, Instagram versus reality. Okay. Like a lot of the biggest thing for my healing has been like, just like owning, like trusting that like inner energy, like, right. Like I can always depend on myself. Like I can always go back to my own intuition versus constantly questioning, like, okay, just because I'm not fitting the mold doesn't necessarily always mean I'm the issue in the environment.
0: Snaps to that. Yes. <laughs> Barbara,
2: so, so good. So good. Trust in yourself. Yeah. therapy right like i'm like i don't really care how you get to the other end it's like let's just build your compass so you're like stronger Mm -hmm. in your own Mm -hmm. self-direction
0: yeah and your inner advocate was already showing up when you were younger like wait i have questions and just being told like stop asking questions stop doing Uh this okay uh but you're not answering my question Mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: yeah I'll stop yeah I don't know if people call me an advocate but as much as like probably like a pain in the ass because like, I didn't want to do anything because it was like yeah it's like you can't do this you can't do that you have to do this and nobody would give me like a solid enough answer to why which I think like when I finally heard like I remember it was like I think undergrad when I heard like the word feminism and somebody described it and then I was like I'm not like broken. Like I have this thing. <laughs> okay, I remember being like coming home and being like, oh, you guys turns out I'm a feminist. Like, <laughs> this was the problem all
1: along. But and see, that, that's where it goes back into like the labeling, like certain pieces of it, where it's like, because you heard something, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Whereas like some people might be like, oh, I heard, th- I don't know, you know, but it was helpful yeah. to you in that sense as well.
2: That is such a good point, right? Like why certain labels like right empower us versus like sometimes disempower. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: snaps around the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're left speechless, Amra. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, what was that? No, no. Okay. So okay. Well, I have a really hard hitting question. <gasps> I'm really, uh <laughs> if you could have a podcast, what would your topic be?
2: I don't know. I think probably something similar to like what you're doing here is just like, right? Like understanding more of those like healing energies or I don't know. It'd probably be like a knockoff version of Dr. Phil or something. <laughs> Hopefully better than him.
0: No. no, what you should do is
2: just have a bunch of like white privileged males come on. You just troll them. <laughs> yeah, I could probably go. pick That would be my TikTok account. <laughs> Gotta find the right platforms. Right, kind of, it. kind
1: of like what Alex said. Know your platforms. Like, yeah. I feel like that might be better on TikTok
0: as a podcast. <laughs> I think this means I need to get on TikTok. Someone would
1: listen, though. Someone would listen
0: and just, you know, they just... you'd need the video aspect. I yeah. It. Got it. I love Oh it. my goodness. <laughs> well, Amra, uh, thank you so much for taking some of your weekend time to be with us. And yeah, we can't say from the bottom of our bottom of our hearts enough. Thank you. Because I mean, yeah, like you said, it's really vulnerable to share bits and pieces of your story and go deep and so I just want to say I feel privileged mm-hmm. that you uh were open and wanted to to come on this
2: yeah thank you so much for inviting me and making it very relaxing <laughs> yay see it's that's not stressful it's- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you had some hard hitters there at the end I mean, yeah, good. <laughs>
1: I think so many people are going to love listening to your story and learning like so much about themselves, I think within your story as well. So I think like it's, yeah, it's great that we had you (laughs) on, like, I'm so happy.
0: (laughs) Seeing themselves in you, like, yeah, because no matter how similar or different you are from someone, you can always take something from their story and it, it can mirror Mm -hmm. um, you. Where can people find you online if they want to follow you? Oh
2: my gosh, what if you get like 10,000 followers from this? Yeah,
1: <laughs> like this could be your moment. from This
2: moment, <laughs> oh my God, the last thing I want on earth is to be famous. To <laughs> <laughs> Where you can find me is nowhere. I'm just
1: <laughs> Yeah, so when, so when we market this podcast, we'll just be like, so how much on the podcast, just like you only get this chance to listen to her and that's it, she's off the grid, see you later <laughs>
0: hashtag try your best to
2: find her <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, I, I mean I don't have any public platforms mm. for like the work we do but I guess like if these themes interest people Instagram is probably what I use the most for sharing like ideas and concepts um, my Instagram stories not my like post posts because those are all of my dogs so I don't know what <laughs> they'll be like Interesting. Yeah, this is my first and last name. Um, at Amr Budin Leach.
1: Wonderful. Hey, there's some dog lovers in our (laughs) in our in our groups right now. I mean, I feel like people will totally be okay with
2: this. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: yeah, I forgot to mention you uh take pictures of Oliver and then put uh like motivational posts on them on the other side for clients. And it's so sweet.
2: I make memes. I love making memes. It's a fun fact. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, can I fun. i <laughs> <laughs> Right.
0: <laughs> oh, well, this has been fun. Like any other conversation we've had, like there's ups and there's downs and twists and turns. And it, I think it's just the human experience, right? Hashtag
2: real life. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me along
0: yes thanks for thank coming you. on our journey thank you Amra have a wonderful night and yeah thank you everyone for listening follow us at uh real life pod ad on instagram and yeah that's all I got like
1: like a oh, subscribe <laughs> I was a little too quick there I about to get out of here she's like I'm off I'm
2: on. um you need a PR person <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe I, like, at at halfway at the end of the episode, I'll, like, lift up a sheet of paper and that's, like, okay, now you have five <laughs> minutes to say
0: this. Or she'll just mute me. He's, <laughs> <laughs> like, have a good night. <laughs> Bye okay Danielle what were
1: you gonna say anyway um like subscribe tell us what you think about the episodes um you know tell your friends tell your family or if anything just you know tell us and you know we'll talk to you guys
0: soon is it is it clear to say it now it's it's clear it's clear bye bye